When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome into the Titan Size Podcast. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of the Titan Size Podcast, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. We're going to do two things in this episode. We are going to talk a little bit about the Titans' recent victory against the Cincinnati Bengals at home at Nissan Stadium, and then we will preview the uh, upcoming Thursday night football game that the Titans will participate in. They will face off against the Pittsburgh Steelers and wear their hashtag color rash uniforms. So let's talk a little bit about the uh, – I hate Color Rush. I think it's dumb, by the way. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. I like it, but Let, – Let's start off talking about this Bengals game. <laughs> and I think the most surprising thing about this game – Titans played well, uh, had a rough third quarter, but Marcus Mariota led them back at the end. All that good stuff, awesome. I think the most strangest and most surprising thing from this game was the fact that Adoree Jackson played what like five or six snaps on offense and carried the ball three or four times. I never saw that coming. Yeah, and he didn't look out of place at all, just like he didn't in college when they gave him uh, rushing touches and receiving touches. So that that was awesome. Uh, in terms of the game itself, uh, I thought it was a good win. Um, I know the Bengals haven't been great this season by any stretch of the imagination, but they're still. Not a terrible team. They're a pesky team. They'll fight with you towards the end. Uh, and you saw that. Um, and the the defense played very well. Um, aside from that that 70-yard catch, which, I mean, that's just A.J. Green making a play right there. Um, but other than that, I mean, they were fantastic, especially in the third quarter. Uh, they forced, well, in the second half, they forced the, uh, the Bengals into – Five straight punts, which is like actually ridiculous. When's the last time you saw a Tennessee Titans team do that? Except for maybe like the Browns game earlier this season. But I thought it was a good win. Um, and it's even better that it was uh, in the AFC so we can keep improving that conference records. It's, it's, it's at five and three right now. Uh, and that's important just in case we don't win the division uh, and we need that tiebreaker for a wild card spot. So good win overall. 
Yeah, I mean, anytime you win an AFC game like we were talking about, it's always great. You know, I don't think they're going to go on, you know, the Bengals are going to go on a run. But, you know, to beat a team with A.J. Green and Carlos Dunlap and Geno Adkins and William Jackson, you know, a lot of talented players is always a good thing. Don't forget, it wasn't too long ago where we were watching this team lose to Jacksonville that was an 0-7 Jacksonville or lose to the Browns with Johnny Manziel. I mean, just beaten teams with inferior talent that they had no business losing to. So, I mean, anytime the Titans get a win, I will I won't complain. But anytime they get an AFC win against a team that really probably should be closer to seven wins or eight wins a season than where they are now, I, I I'm happy with it. You've got to grind out a lot of these ugly, nasty games, especially against a, a division like the AFC North that's just built on, you know, beating you up and getting to your quarterback and hitting him a second late, you know, all that kind of stuff. Anytime you come out with a healthy team and a win, you've got to be happy. Yeah, agreed, especially on a short week. Yes. I think it's important after this game because, in a way, we saw two different sides of Marcus Mariota. We saw the side of him that when when the cards were against him at the very end of the game, he led a very nice comeback drive to win the game for the Titans. And then we saw the side of him that threw a really ugly interception to William Jackson and struggled to get anything going for the entirety of the third quarter. So I want, I want to pose this question to you guys because I think after this game especially, it's a fair time to ask this question. What is Marcus Mariota as an NFL quarterback? What kind of quarterback is he? Because he's obviously not, and I don't know that he will necessarily ever be this, but right now he's not Drew Brees. He's not Tom Brady. I mean, this Mariota stuff, it's a funny joke, but I think we know that's not what he is. Does he still have a ceiling of potentially being that at some point? Or have we maybe seen flashes of what he's going to be and maybe he ends up as someone like a a Matt Ryan someone like that who's very very streaky and a good franchise quarterback but he's never going to be you know considered among the elite I was about to say um right now I guess or at least through the first couple seasons I would say he's sort of Matt Ryan-ish um and just like uh being an effective quarterback nothing like nothing crazy like an Aaron Rodgers type um, but like a Matt Ryan with legs uh, is a pretty apt comparison. Uh, I don't think he's been as good this season as he was last season. Um, be that I don't I don't know why exactly that is. Um, he, he's, he's made a couple of mistakes that have been that have been kind of baffling at times. Um, it, honestly, these last two weeks, he's had two interceptions that I'm not sure what he saw or what he was looking at exactly. Um, but the good news is he he, he is in fumbling. I don't think he's fumbled one time this entire year uh, which is really good because that was a, that was a big issue of his through his first two seasons um and he's still getting acclimated to his new weapons a lot there were a lot of new uh new changes on offense uh, personnel wise um and that takes time i know it's already halfway through the season but that could have something to do with it um and also just i mean he was also injured with the hamstring um kind of uh, limited him for a couple of games so uh, i'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt i don't think he's been bad by any by any stretch of the imagination um but he hasn't been exactly the guy we've seen him capable of being uh in the past um i'm not sure if we're going to see that uh towards the latter half of the season um i hope we do because if we do we're going to be a 
the a team to be in the playoffs for sure. We're not going to be an easy out uh, if he's playing lights out like he did through the middle of, of last season. So I hope that happens. Um, I hope the offense um, gets better and that we can keep converting some of these drives into, into touchdowns like we did um, uh, this past week instead of settling for field goals. Yeah, I don't want to harp on this too much before I talk about Mariota, but I think we all kind of agree that the run game has taken a significant step back this year. And the offensive line outside mm-hmm. of Taylor Lewan has two. So you've kind of got to think Mariota is kind of piloting this offense that is not super creative. It was it didn't have its biggest playmaker for most of the year. Um, if that's what we think Corey Davis is. The running game wasn't working and the offensive line hadn't been as good. You know, he's had all that going against him. And still, when he's been healthy, he piloted the Titans to a 20-plus point win against Jacksonville, who's the best team in, you know, the best defense in football, according to everybody. They beat uh, the Seahawks by a pretty wide margin until they started going into their shell late. You know, all these defenses and pretty quality teams that Mariota's beaten this year that don't show up in the stat sheet because he'll play really well and get them down to the two and then they'll run it in with Henry or they'll give Delaney Walker a jet sweep or whatever but because because of that and because of being injured early in the season you know he's not going to get the stats that he should to really pump up you know uh, pump him up to the level of the NFL standard right now but a lot of that is because the Titans aren't really behind much anymore. Like we don't like the Titans don't have to pass to get back in games like they have in the past, or they don't have to pass to keep up because for the second and third quarter, they've done a really good job staying ahead and, you know, winning those quarters and keeping the other teams from scoring and managing the football, which is the way Malarkey and Rubisky want to play, but it's not going to lead to eye popping numbers or any, you know, huge spectacular plays. Cause those just aren't really an emphasis in the playbook. So, you know, I I think Mariota is ultimately a hyper efficient quarterback who, when the running games work, running game works, he can do great things on the deep ball with play action passes, and who can find the soft spot in you know zone coverage and find ma- and men that are you know running wide open in man coverage. But he needs time to do that, and he needs team to be able to bite on the running game for that to work. And you know, is he going to be? Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady where it doesn't matter what other 10 guys are on the field, he's going to put up 30 points a game? No, probably not because that's a really tough thing to do. But at the beginning of the year for the first I think it was 5 games of the year, 5 or 6 games of the year when he was healthy for the full game, they were averaging over 30 points a game. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like he's been bad. It's just because he's not he wasn't as effective in the red zone early as he has been his whole career, which he'll regress back to that mean. I mean, he's going to turn back into, in the past two weeks we've seen, you know, he's going to turn into a really good red zone quarterback just for whatever reason it wasn't working early. Uh, But, I mean, because he wasn't hot there uh, in an offense that is – wants to be run heavy he just didn't put up the numbers that most big name quarterbacks get so you know long story short I think Mariota can be a top eight top six quarterback in the NFL and I think he can win you a lot of games but uh, we may not have a guy who can just completely take over games week in and week out and and to that point I don't think you necessarily need that Mm -hmm. I was about to say we we don't need that as long as 
our running game is performing um, um, adequately well, at least, uh, which it really hasn't uh, at times this season. Uh, but, th- I mean, it's been okay uh, for most of the season, um, and it should be fine uh, going forward. I, like you said, I don't, I don't, we haven't been falling behind, so we haven't really been throwing that much outside of maybe um, that Raiders game. I think he threw over 40 attempts. And I think he had 44 this last week, but because we ran so many offensive plays, uh, because the Bengals had really short drives. Um, but going forward, um, uh, it, later in this season, I think only this week against the Steelers and maybe against the Rams um, in week um, week 16 are really the only games where we're going to be potentially behind uh, because the other games are against the Colts, Texans, Cardinals, and Jaguars, and the Jaguars don't really throw and get ahead of get ahead of teams so i don't think we're gonna see mariota put up huge numbers going forward for the rest of the season um but once the play if we get to the playoffs um and we do get into the playoffs i could see it i could see us opening it up a little bit um and uh maybe we'll see uh the best mariota later in the season hopefully and i think when with franchise quarterbacks when it comes to that position you don't have to have a Brett Favre or a Donovan McNabb, someone who's going to be making the Pro Bowl every single year. But you also don't want, you know, like Deshaun Kaiser or Jake Locker or someone like that who's just not that good, you know? Or uh, Blake Bortles, who Blake actually Bortles. hasn't been terrible this season. Uh, he, he was pretty terrible against the Chargers. Uh, <laughs> How did they win it, that game? How did they win? Uh, yeah, that's... That's just kind of, you know, the season they've been having, you know, and and that's, you know, good for them, more power to them, you know, live it up while it lasts, but it's not a very sustainable way to play football. Um, So one last topic I have from the Bengals game before we move on and start kind of talking about the Steelers on Thursday night football. Uh, We talked a little bit about this before we started recording the show, and that's how well the Titans cornerbacks have been playing at Connor Rogers. Um, I mean, L- Logan Ryan and Adoree Jackson have really solved the cornerback problem that the Titans have been trying to fix for several years, and uh, I mean they they've both played really really well. You mentioned Will that Jackson has like twenty PBUs so far this year. Logan Ryan has played both inside and outside. He manned up with AJ Green and traveled with him for most of the game on Sunday. I think the Titans have two pretty good cornerbacks. And again, as with franchise quarterbacks, you don't have to have Patrick Peterson or Chris Harris Jr. to have you know quality cornerback play. You just don't want Parrish Cox and Valentino Blake. Uh, yeah, I am sold on Adore Jackson uh, being worth the 18th overall pick. Um, he, even if he wasn't playing like incredibly well uh, as a cornerback on defense— just his impact on special teams in the return game, and even his impact on offense has been has been pretty um, pretty good for us uh, just as a team uh, so far this season, which is his rookie season. Uh, and to top all of that off, he's playing really really well um, on defense, and he's getting more comfortable every single game. So that's really good to see. And Logan Ryan has also been a fantastic um, addition to this unit. So. Um, I'm really, really feel good about them going forward. Yeah, I mean, first of all, they're both young. I mean, you can talk about the quality all you want. They're both very good players right now. Um, I I don't know that they'll be all-time greats or anything like that, but, you know, just in a vacuum right now, they're both playing really well. 
Adoree Jackson's been, re- I mean, I, I don't, it don't don't take this as me standing by a pre-draft take or anything that I had on Adoree Jackson. I was not an Adoree Jackson fan coming into this season. I didn't like the way he backpedaled uh-huh. or, or tried to backpedal. I, I didn't. I thought he had to play in a cover three scheme where he'd have to have his eyes on the quarterback. I was wrong. I mean, he he's lining up on one side of the field, and if you come on that side, it doesn't matter if you're Brandon LaFell or A.J. Green or who you are. He's going to get in your business, and he's going to knock passes away, and he's going to be in great position. And he doesn't have to rely on his athleticism as much anymore to make up for technique mistakes. He's just learning how to be confident in that defense and learning how to read what offenses are trying to set up. And – I give him all the credit in the world for developing as a rookie corner because that just doesn't happen game by game in the NFL. Usually in the NFL, in your rookie year, if you're playing corner, you either succeed early and succeed late or you take your lumps the whole year and then that offseason you start to develop. But rarely do you see a guy who was targeted heavily in the preseason, heavily in the first few weeks of the season, and who did you know, moderately well, but slowly developing to getting better and better and more confident. And I mean, uh, I think there's been two or three times where Kevin Byard has either jumped in front of a Jackson and in our intercepted a ball that I think a would have had a really good chance at, or where they both ran and deflected the same pass because they're both playing unselfish football and not trying to get a highlight reel, which is Mike Malarkey's brand. So you know, that's that's where I stand with Adoree Jackson. And Logan Ryan has been one of the more versatile players, you know, on the team. He can play slot corner and he can play uh, he, he can play outside. He can play wherever he can play man zone. Fine. But where, you know, first off, let me let me go back and spend a little bit more time on that. He's one of the best slot corners in the NFL. Uh, I mean, PFF had him as the second highest rated guy, and we we pick it PFF, but they got that one right. I mean, he he definitely has played. He's erased whoever's lined up in the slot frequently. So you know, give give him a lot of credit there. But when uh, Kevin Byard had his deep interception last week, it was Logan Ryan who peeled off his guy on the double post and. Deflect, deflected the ball in the air because he got his eyes around and was in a good position where he could peek at the quarterback. He saw the ball in the air, tipped it up, and Kevin Byard got the interception that you know made him the league's inter- league's uh, leading interceptor. So, you know, he's been doing more than his fair share. He's not just playing within a system. He's starting to finally develop and get outside of it and make plays around that. So, both corners look really good. And if this team gets a third corner, which I don't necessarily think they should, but if they do and they get him in the mid rounds and he's a good player that can play outside, they're going to be one of the top tack or top uh, corner trios in the NFL backed by one of the league's best safeties. So, I mean, that's clearly a position of strength for the Titans right now, whether you watch them play or not, you should know that. Yeah. I mean, uh, and they're getting targeted like a heavy amount because a lot of teams think that, our weaknesses in pass defense, even though we've been really good. Uh, and it shows up. Um, I mean, we were looking at it before uh, we came on the podcast, um, just how many pass breakups our, our Dory Jackson had. Um, and Dory Jackson is just killing it right now. He's top 15 with, he has nine. Uh, Logan Ryan is uh, top 20. He's got eight and Kevin Byard is, is fourth tied for fourth in the league with 12. So they're making, they're making plays on the ball and, uh, that's not something we could say last season. Yeah. So uh, let's start talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers. But before we do, really quickly, 
opinions on color rash the light the awful light blue uh, and light blue. big fan uh, like not not a joke i really like them uh not like i know people don't and i don't know why i do but that the light blue the titans have i think it's the best color they have in their palette i, I think it's i mean i think it's pretty clear you know it's as close to the love you blue blue as we get to see uh and i i just i don't know why i love the way that powder blue looks uh, i'm i'm cool with it i wish they would bring out the tops or the bottoms more but i, I get why you can't I get why it'd be a little bit ridiculous but i'm gonna go against the grain and say i'm actually a pretty big fan i don't mind them and uh the, this is my expert analysis but i feel like Mariota always plays really well when we wear these jerseys i i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure every time i we wear these jerseys he's making some some I think cool plays. He's, uh, he's he's one and one in color rush jerseys, both times against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, but um, that first that first season, he was like he had that amazing run where he beat Telvin Smith to yeah, the corner on the zone he, read he had, with like Antonio Andrews. Yeah, I mean, he had some pretty <laughs> impressive play. You know, it, it's another time where Mariota does a lot of great stuff, and for whatever reason, it gets lost to time. You know, people who you look back and see the score of that game will just count it as a loss. But, what, I, I mean, Mariota oh, did great stuff. We lost that. to the Jaguars. That what, game? what I remember from that game was, uh, let's see, I remember DGB costing us the game at the very end because his lackadaisical effort. And I also remember the Titans <laughs> were up by four with the ball, trying to put the game away. They checked it down to Phillips Super and all, and he fumbled, and Jacksonville scored a touchdown to take the lead and win. Uh, Super no. legend. We can all say we can all say thank you because that was the season where we ended up with the first overall pick and right, ended yeah. up trading down and getting the All Pro right tackle Jack Conklin, uh, Derek Henry who has has had ups and downs. Uh, uh, Austin Johnson, who's really good, Corey Davis. and uh, Corey Davis, who's been good when he's in and looks like you know he's getting better and better, give or take a fumble. And I think uh, uh, Johnny Johnny Smith too, right? I, uh, is it was he a part it, of it? It was. I mean, I know, I know he was. It was either him or Taylor. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. I don't know how that worked. I, I think it, I think it was Taiwan. I, I don't know. One of the two. For, forgive that noise, but uh, that's what it sounds like when I think real hard. Um, and also, uh, it gave us the leverage to trade up to get Conklin without giving up Kevin Byard, who was the third round pick that year. Yeah, I I remember so, after that Jacksonville game, I was so upset because of the way that they lost it. I blocked the Jaguars on Twitter. I kicked my window <laughs> and like broke the blinds and then went to bed. Like that was, mm. that was the sequence of events. That was you, like, so bad because so I remember <laughs> tweeting and it'll probably come up soon. I'll, I'll, I'll find some of them and retweet them on Thursday. I remember tweeting that day, like the Titans are only three games out of first place in the AFC South. Cause it was such a bad division that year. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's like the roughest tweet you can have back in the years where like we were all struggling to get to eight and eight. Oh, God, never oh. again. <laughs> so I, I quarterback. Also, uh, Mariota plays great with facial hair. We need to talk about that too. Um, oh, yeah. Mariota's record when he has facial hair must be something like seven and one. Uh, we can never let him shave again. But all right, continue. <laughs> all right. 
Um, that's a tough point to follow. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about this upcoming Thursday night football game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, obviously, the Pittsburgh Steelers' best player is Antonio Brown. And so I want to ask you guys, if, if you are Dick LeBeau and you're trying to scheme up how to uh, defend the best receiver in the NFL, uh, what do you do? And if I'm Dick LeBeau, I'm going to let Adoree Jackson play man-to-man on him all game with Kevin Byard over the top the entire game and let Logan Ryan deal with Juju Smith-Schuster, who's quickly becoming one of the most overrated players in the NFL. Whoa, hot take. Yeah, but that's hot take. I kind of I agree with, uh, with your strategy there because I do think Adoree Jackson matches up much better with Antonio Brown um, than Logan Ryan does. The only thing I'm worried about is uh, some of those like those quick hitting routes that Antonio Brown does. Where it, I mean, no one can cover him really. Um, but Adore Jackson is our fastest um, cornerback, so it does make sense for him to uh, to be on Antonio Brown. And I, I would not play off of Antonio Brown. I would not give him these eight to ten yard cushions that Dick LeBeau usually loves to. He's the quickest route runner I've ever seen. He's just gonna he's gonna take three steps and then turn around and catch five yard yeah. balls all game, and he's gonna end up with twelve yeah, catches he, for hundred and ten yards. Yeah, and, and the problem is him after the catch is just electric, so it's really tough. Um, so I would try to play uh, him um, some press um, press up on him a little bit. Um, I do think Logan Ryan could match up with him at times. I mean, whenever. Brown travels in the slot. I do want, I do want Ryan on him, but uh, Ryan, Ryan on Smith Schuster does seem to be a better matchup. Um, what I'm kind of concerned about, I know Martavis Brown hasn't done anything, uh, and I know we haven't given up big plays outside of that Brandon LaFell catch last week. Uh, but I really don't want to see Martavis Bryant on like Bryce McCain because that is just not going to end well, especially with Martavis Bryant's speed. So uh, oh, Mike, sure. Mike Tomlin knows all about Bryce McCain. Oh, I'm yeah, sure he's he very does. familiar. Um, but I'm sure Dick LeBeau um, has that figured out. Uh, I'm not too concerned about it. If if I'm Dick LeBeau, I change absolutely nothing because that's what he's going to do. Um, if I'm me as the defensive coordinator, I play – Okay, so there's a very specific strategy you have to have, um, I think, when you play the Steelers. You have to know they want to run Le'Veon Bell 25 times a game. So mm-hmm. in obvious running downs, you need to have Cyprian in, and you need to be able to play single high with Kevin Byard over the top. In non-obvious rushing downs, you need Cyprian off the field, and you need uh, Denoris Searcy as your other safety because he's more of – I mean, he's a strong safety by nature, but he's more of a free safety than Cyprian. Um, so you have to have him in and you have to play whoever's the corner on that side. Cause you can't, you can't go man. Cause that's not the way these corners have played. So I think you have to go whoever is the corner on that side, whether it's Bryce McCain or Ty Smith or whoever it is, you've got to let him stay over there and not mess up the rest of your field and put Kevin Byer directly over the top and tell your corner his job is to press and then get underneath and take away the slant route and then let Kevin Byer take anything else over the top. If you can get interior pressure on Roethlisberger, then you can play your regular two high. You can go to your cover three, your cover one with uh, Kevin Byard back there, and you know that unless he's just going to throw up a hail, Ma- like a true hail mary, trying to make sure that um, 
Kevin Byard doesn't get to it, you know, or that uh, making sure that his wide receiver can get to it, he's got to test Kevin Byard and make sure that he can't get over there. So, I mean, though, that's how I would adjust. But again, I expect Laveau to just play the way he's always played. Yeah, I do think um, I agree with that interior pressure on Big Ben because, I, I mean, I don't know if it's always been this way, but Big Ben just seems a little skittish in the pocket nowadays. Um, and he's been throwing some kind of some errant passes and some kind of baffling passes uh, this season. He really hasn't been his usual his usual self um, really over the last couple seasons. Um, so I don't think there's a game where Big Ben's just going to go nuts. Um I I don't think we've seen that Big Ben for a while, and I don't think we're going to see it this week, uh, especially the way our defense is playing. Um, and I, I'm not entirely sure what the uh, if this is like a an Avery Williamson game or well, no game isn't really an a- Avery Williamson <laughs> game. But I mean, Le'Veon Bell is just so patient uh, when he runs that, and he's not really that quick or that fast at all, really. So I'm not sure Avery Williamson. Um, isn't going to make an impact in this game. I think he could he could have a pretty good game just as long as he he penetrates um uh, so, and sheds some blocks um which hasn't really done much this season but uh they're definitely going to want to run the ball 25 to 30 times so uh, as long as our run defense is good uh we'll we'll have a chance in this one. Another thing is uh don't put Jarrell Casey on David DeCastro. David DeCastro will yeah. beat Jarrell Casey cuz he's like the best guard in the NFL. Go ahead and sacrifice Daquan Jones and Austin Johnson and let them man up there knowing you're going to get beat there, but giving Jarrell Casey a chance to make a real impact against the left guard instead of against DeCastro. It's stupid to match up best on best in passing situations because that's not how you win in the NFL. You need to make sure your biggest impact players can make impact plays, and if you put Casey on DeCastro, he's going to get neutralized. Mm-hmm. So, I think in years past, when the Titans in this situation would have looked at the Steelers, who are really one of the juggernauts of the AFC, and we've said that kind of jokingly about a lot of teams this year, like the Texans and the Jaguars, but in all seriousness, the Steelers are a juggernaut of the AFC. But I think this is a situation this week where the Titans look at this team and they're like, but these guys don't scare us. We've won our last four games, and yeah, we've kind of squeaked by. But they haven't exactly been clicking on all cylinders. I mean, we curb stomped the Colts in the fourth quarter, and they almost lost to the Colts in the fourth quarter. Like, I feel like the Titans, whereas in years past, they'd look at this game and be like, oh my gosh, we're going to have to play the potential AFC champions. And this game, they're like, we're playing mm-hmm. the Steelers? This is a team we can beat. We're, we're better than the Steelers. Yeah, these are uh, these are not your father's Steelers uh, in a lot <laughs> of different ways. Um, this team gets it done with, a really, really good defense. I mean, they're they're after the Jaguars. I think they're the best defense in the league in terms of, uh, well, yeah, no, they are second in the league in terms of points per game, and I think second in the league or first in the league in terms of uh, yards per game given up. So this is a really good defense, both uh, run wise, although they have gotten run on a little bit this season, uh, and definitely in pass defense. Um, they've gotten some new players and some young players that have really shown up. Uh, and then they still have James Harrison running around out there at like 50 years old somehow. Uh, I don't know what they're giving him, but uh, he's still making an, an impact somehow. Um, but like you said, these really aren't the Steelers that are just going to throw it, throw it, and just throw it all day, throw for 400 yards on you like they used to a couple years ago. 
Um, they're they're they want to play good defense and they want to run the ball. Uh, and they've been able to do that this season, uh, especially in games like against Kansas City, um, Detroit. Um, last week's game was kind of kind of interesting. Uh, they do seem to like play down to their opponents a little bit, uh, which which is interesting. I don't know what that will matter for the Titans, um, but they, they they really haven't shown up in, in in big games. Although they they've come out with a they squeaked out a couple wins, but they just seem to underwhelm in some of these spots where you think they're going to dominate. So uh, I wonder if that's going to affect them uh, in a primetime game on Thursday. Yeah, um, I did. A, I posted an article this morning about how the Titans and Steelers have fared in common opponent games. This year, they played five of the same teams. It's Cincinnati, mm-hmm. uh, the Ravens, the Browns, the Jaguars, and the Colts. In those games, the Steelers are four and one, and in those games, the Titans are five and zero. Oh. Uh, in those games. Mm-hmm. The Steelers have a plus seven point differential, and in those games, the Titans have a plus forty-five point differential. So, wow. uh, yeah. So, you know, it, on paper, it seems scary because they have one more win. We'll just call them Detroit. Uh, but just because they have one more win on paper, all the film the Titans have on these guys on common opponents, they're looking at themselves and saying, "Well, we do that better than them. We beat them by a wider margin." And games like the Ravens game where they, you know, went to a shell games like, you know, games like the uh, Jaguars game for the Titans where they completely pulled off the gas in the fourth quarter and um, didn't really try to throw the ball and, you know, kind of like went to a shell against Bortles, all that kind of stuff. There's plenty of times where, you know, the Titans could have made that a much worse situation, you know, and really widened the gap between them and the Steelers. So against common opponents, they've, I mean, the Titans have looked outstanding not necessarily compared to the Steelers, because like I said, they still went four and one in those games. But I mean, the big wins were more dominating, and the, the you know the loss by them was such a you know gaff that it makes them look you know because they got beat by the Jaguars by something like twenty one points. Decked. I, I mean, yeah. so they really kind of you know showed all their weaknesses in that game and really how to get to Big Ben and how to manufacture that pressure on him and kind of their weaknesses. Whereas in those games, you know, all the film that they have that corresponds with the Titans, they can't see how to beat the Titans because there's no film on it, which is rare. So, you know, that's just a stat that I think we should and all to kind the of... points that you're making, Will, I mean, on strictly on paper, I don't think there's any doubt that the Steelers have much better personnel than the Titans do in a lot of areas. But from an on-the-field standpoint, you know, I, one of my favorite quotes is from Michael Irvin. He says that football, successful football teams is not a collection of talent. It's a collaboration of talent. I think right now the Steelers are a collection of talent. They're not collaborating. Is it safe to say that right now the Titans, though they are not as talented as the Steelers, that the Titans play better football than, than the Steelers do? Hmm. I actually I think mean, they're kind of similar. In terms of yeah, like I, roster constru- construction, at least. In terms of talent, I'm not sure that the Titans are that much different than the Steelers. You know, the Steelers have uh, Ryan Shazier, they have T.J. Watt, who looks good. They, you know, they've got pieces, but it's not like the Titans are without talent. I mean, they have Kevin Byard, who's a star in his own right. They have Jarrell Casey, Derek Morgan, Brian Arakpo. You know, Wesley Woodyard's coming. You know, into his own 
you know, and having a Pro Bowl season. There's a ton of talent on both sides of the ball for the Titans, and in terms of young talent, I'm I'm fairly sure I would take what the Titans have over what the Steelers have, and even at quarterback, I think Mariota is better at this point than Ben Roethlisberger, just just based on how low the lows are for Roethlisberger and how high the highs are for each player. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, um, I I don't know. I, I keep looking at their roster, and I see a lot of parallels here. I mean, uh, DeMarco and Le'Veon, obviously, Le'Veon is better, uh, I'd say. But, I mean, they're both two-way players. They can both run and catch uh, very well. Uh, the receivers, obviously, Antonio Brown's a stud. We don't have Antonio Brown yet, uh, but it could happen. Could ha- could That's be right. Corey Davis soon. Uh, but Brown, Bryant, and Smith-Schuster are, I mean, they're kind of similar to Decker, Davis, and the, uh, and Richard Matthews, I think, um, in terms of stylistic components, uh, in a way. I, and even throw in Taiwan Taylor, if you want, with Eli Rogers or Hayward Bay. or Well, no, not Hayward Bay. I'm not comparing anyone <laughs> to Hayward Bay. Um, and, uh, I mean, both teams have a really good offensive line, although ours is underwhelmed a little bit. Uh, you look at their, their defense, they have Artie Burns, a promising young cornerback, just like we have a Dory Jackson, uh, and they have a, a really good young safety in Sean Davis. Um, although he doesn't play the same position as Kevin Byard, uh, they do some similar things, at least in the run game. So I see a lot of parallels between these two teams, and I think they're, they are two good teams. Um, and I wouldn't pay too much, too much attention to the point differential. I've been seeing this, I've been hearing this often, uh, that the Titans aren't good because their point differential is minus eight. Uh, yeah, when you lose 57 to 14 and, in the same game, you lose your starting quarterback, and that's why the the score ends up like that. that you're gonna have a a, a poor uh, point differential. Um, the Titans are not a minus eight team, um, and I I would say they're almost on par with the Steelers, uh, uh, who are plus thirty nine. Um, I think they're both, um, at least from a talent standpoint and from an actual football standpoint, I think they're very similar teams, um, uh, especially this season. So. I'll close with this question. Uh, obviously, you know, we talk about Antonio Brown and how much of an impact he makes. He's going to make an impact, right? They're not going to be able to completely contain Antonio Brown. It just doesn't happen. So instead of asking you what matchup is the most important for the Titans to win this game, because obviously it's going to be whoever's covering Antonio Brown, what position group for the Titans do you think really needs to have their best game of the season if the Titans want to take down the Steelers? Uh, the defensive line, uh, because the Steelers have a really good offensive line. Um, and there are times throughout games where Big Ben is getting like four or five seconds to throw the ball. Um, and that just can't happen, especially against a receiving group like uh, like the Steelers have with Antonio Brown, Martavis Bryant, and now Juju Smith-Schuster. Those are guys that can get open, especially when you're giving Big Ben so much time. So um, the defensive line needs to get pressure. Uh, also with Arakpo and Morgan, I think a really good matchup uh, in particular to watch is Arakpo against uh, Villanueva, uh, the Steelers' left tackle. Uh, he's just a massive human being, uh, and so is Arakpo. Arakpo's not going to be able to just bull rush him, uh, so he's going to have to mix it up a little bit, um, and that'll be an interesting matchup to watch. But I definitely think um, the Titans defensive line and outside linebackers need a need to play particularly well uh, in order for the Titans to to be able to pull out a W. Yeah, and I was going to go with uh, inside linebackers because uh, historically <laughs> what the Steelers like to do is 
you know, I've already sung the praises of David DeCastro once, but they like to pull David DeCastro from right to left and get him in open space and that power and trap and all that kind of stuff. And if you've got linebackers who know how to read that pull and guard, they can get out in front and really make that an impossible play because they know exactly where they're going to go. And if they stop at the backside pressure from the tackle that gets left unblocked should end up in a tackle for loss. If you have a slow linebacker who doesn't understand or who can't come up and eat that block, then you're good. I mean, it's going to kill you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If you don't, if you don't have a linebacker who's ready to eat that W, you're going to be in trouble. Uh, I I mean, it's just, and not only that, but with Roethlisberger not being as mobile as he used to be, not that he was ever Russell Wilson or, you know, Mariota or anything like that, but you know, he used to be able to escape to his right and kind of throw, you know, Mm -hmm make some yeah. time if you can get Jayon brown or wesley woodyard in the backfield really causing trouble for roethlisberger at, at his launch point that he likes to you know send the ball from which is behind the right guard um about a yard and a half is, is where he really likes to throw it from if you can get players there whether it's inside linebacker stunts or sending the guy that opens up Jero casey or whatever it is if you can get a guy back there and really mess that up you can hamper this offense you know to to, i mean you can really make them you know not even mediocre i mean they'll just be bad and and all that starts with inside linebackers knowing how to read their keys and getting home when they blitz Mm -hmm. also uh underrated uh player to watch on the steelers uh former titan cody sensible so look out for him yeah, that's going to be an interesting – that's my matchup that I'm going to pick, Cody Sensabaugh versus Eric Decker in the slot. Dude, he's going to play oh. because uh, Joe Hayden got injured. He broke his – Yeah, I didn't even realize Cody Sensabaugh still played. I didn't know either. I literally just saw it on their roster. Is is Josh Dobbs their backup quarterback? Uh, No, it's Landry Jones, but Dobbs oh, is God. like the third. I have a good friend who's a big Steelers fan, and he hates Landry Jones. Yeah, well, wait till he sees more Josh Jobs. <laughs> I don't know. He had that uh, that Butch Jones development. That's true. He got a bunch of leadership reps in the preseason, so he. Yeah. I mean, he's really set. leadership reps. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, on that note, we're going to uh, get out of here and hope that the Titans can pull off a big win. I don't think it's necessarily an upset, even though the Steelers are probably favored. The favorite by a full touchdown, by the way, which is insane. Seven. That's nuts. That's ridiculous. That's, uh, it, it, I'm not a betting man, but if I were, I don't think the Steelers are going to cover, even if they win. Um, so, yeah, go on, go on Bovada. Take that. The Steelers are not going to cover. You heard it here first. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Betting uh, tips. From, uh, <laughs> from Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas, who is a betting man and, and who will give you Bovada advice if you need it. Um, Take the points. Yeah, I am Luke Worsham. Thank you for listening to the Titan Size Podcast. We will be back next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.